The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours. Like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Monday edition of The Yard, the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. It's also the first official day that True Rest with Starkville is open. We had a few floaters yesterday. Great reviews. I tell you, I'm so proud uh, of the bride. She's done such an amazing job getting this together. I've done a lot of things behind the scenes, but uh, as far as like boots on the ground, that sort of stuff, she's... Uh, yeah, you know, she's the one to pick everything out, got everything decorated. She's the one that's going to be the, uh, the operator more times than not. But I'll be up there some. So if, you, if you'd like to see my smiling face, I'll be there occasionally. Yeah, it's true. Pretty much every day, not all day, though. I got work to do. I got ball games to cover. I will tell you this. I'm, I'm beginning a journey, though. And I got to figure out what I'm going to do with today. But I'm going to float every day for 30 days. And uh, just to kind of see what happens. I'm so chill today. I can't even begin to explain how chill I am today. I had the best float ever last night. I floated late. I don't know, maybe I was after Super Bowl. And I uh, went and floated and uh, slept so incredibly deep, dreamed so vividly. My German shepherd had to jump up in the bed to wake me up and say, hey, let's go. I got to go to the bathroom. But, yeah, it's, uh, it's been great. It really has. And uh, we've had, again, a few floaters yesterday as part of the soft grand opening. And um, they're out there raving about it on, on social media. You need to come be a part of it, too. And the easiest way to do that, you can call. Okay, let me give you the number. The easiest way to do it, though, is to download the True Rest app. Go download the True Rest app. And you don't have to talk to anybody. And if you've got questions, you can call, obviously. You can call 662 662- 268-7601. That's 662-268-7601 if you have specific questions. If you don't have questions, or maybe you've already done your own research and say, you know what, Steve, I'm ready to go be a part of this. Just download the True Rest app and you can book on your own. You go ahead and enter all your information. You don't have to talk to anybody. I know we live in a society today where we want to have as little uh, human interaction as possible at times. And you can use your app. And uh, things are good to go. But uh, if you're not an app person, again, if you just have questions about how everything works, call Dana. We'll talk to you, and she'll walk you through it. But, uh, yeah, it's been great. I mean, for me, and I've shared with you guys before, it's not just about the physical recovery. You know, guys, my mind just gets quiet for a while. And we talk all the time, well, I'm doing this for me, right? And what we do still involves so much stimulation. Like, you know, Steve, i got to get away and play around the golf once a week just to be sane. Steve, I got to go out and deer hunt for a while. Steve, I got to go out and fish for a while. I got to just sit around and watch Netflix and chill for a while. And that's true. And you need to do those things. But that doesn't really give you the mental reset that floating does. 1,200 pounds of magnesium Epsom salt 
it'll cure what ails you. It will. And uh, looking forward to uh, you guys being a part of this. Of course, we've already got people scheduled every day this week, but there are still some openings, and they're going pretty fast. The phone's been ringing off the hook today. A lot of people just kind of calling, inquiring. Uh, we want you to be part of it. And the main reason that I brought this to Starkville is for you. I wanted you to have the opportunity to experience this, whether you've got chronic pain or depression or whatever, or if you just need some time to chill. You come chill with us, for sure. For sure, come do it. Again, download the True Rest app. Uh, it's made a lot of progress since its infancy. But uh, yeah, it works great. And uh, But if you've got any trouble at all, just call 662-268-7601. All right, what about that Super Bowl last night? What did you think about that? Now, the first thing that I will say, I was pulling for Kansas City. Not because I like Kansas City. I mean, I'm a Pittsburgh Steelers guy. Not because I'm rooting for the AFC. I'm rooting for Mississippi State. Because I wanted today to be flooded with discussions about Willie Gay and Chris Jones. And, of course, when everybody was gassed in overtime period, Chris Jones, our Chris Jones, found another gear. And that big quarterback hurry that he had that uh, forced the early throw from, uh, from Purdy really was a difference in the ballgame, I thought. But I wanted today's social media to be filled with all these people talking about Chris Jones and Willie Gay winning yet another ring. Chris has got three. Willie's got two. How about that? Chris Jones in the league seven years, five years, all pro, three Super Bowl championships. you got to start asking yourself, is Chris Jones going to be a Hall of Famer? Maybe you have to pick it up just a little bit. But I don't know if there's anybody really impacting the game. And I thought yesterday when Frisco got up 10-0 and there was just some silliness out there, Chris showed some real leadership, pulled the defense together and said, hey, we're beating ourselves. And from there on, especially in that second half, San Francisco really struggled to get anything going. I believe I don't think they got a first down in the third quarter. Memory serves me correct. But uh, congratulations to those guys and everybody that love them. It's our day too, right? We're Bulldogs. These guys came to Mississippi State. They were highly recruited. They came in here, went to Mississippi State, uh, won, won a couple of egg bowls apiece, and now making the NFL millions. There's a lot of discussion that Willie Gay – uh, may be holding out for a contract extension. There was a tweet that he sent out after they uh, won in Arrowhead for the last time this regular season, that it may be his last game in Arrowhead. And so there's all this stuff that goes on. But today, they're world champions. And back-to-back, uh, -back, man, repeat. That doesn't happen very often in the NFL. It really doesn't. It's happened with greater regularity in the last you know, dozen years or so. But, uh, again, very, very excited for those guys. So I, I, that was my rooting interest. Same reason that I rooted for the Texas Rangers. And I got a friend that works for the Rangers, so I'm happy for them. But I was rooting for the Bulldogs, and that's what I'm always about, right, is it doesn't matter what pro sport event is taking place. I want Mississippi State to get some measure of recognition, and we have. I live in a big maroon bubble. There's some other people out there that they can just tell you all kind of stats and all kind of stuff from the NFL. Uh, it's very much a singleness of purpose with me. It's always about Mississippi State. Now, I want the Steelers to win, and uh, I've been able to hold my nose the last few years and root for the Cowboys to win because of Dak Prescott. And as soon as he leaves there, then I'll, you know, my, my interest in the Cowboys will go back to what it was because I, I'm a child of the 70s. There are only two teams that existed Either you either a Steelers fan or a Cowboys fan. I was a Steelers fan. And will always be a Steelers fan. 
But uh, but all that I understood, I root for our guys. I, I don't ever, 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 ever forget about the guys that came here and bled and sweat on the fields and courts of play at Mississippi State and then have gone on to the National Football League or Major League Baseball or wherever. And I'm always pulling for them. It's still family to me. They may not see us as family, but I see them as family. Absolutely, without question. So our family picked up a couple new Super Bowl rings uh, last night. I read last night, too, I don't know who came up with the tweet, that there were only 11 schools in the country that had players in both the Super Bowl and the World Series. Mississippi State was one of them. So there we go. Hey, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company, longtime sponsors of this show. Man, I love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too if you don't already. Chances are you already have a absolutely flaming romance with them. Pun intended. Yeah. Nobody doing a better job, man, feeding people in this neck of the woods. Bulldog Burger Company, absolutely fantastic. Great place to go for lunch. You can go for dinner. Have that after work adult beverage. Maybe it's a cheat day on your diet, and chances are most days are cheat days on your diet. But you go to Bulldog Burger Company, and you can eat healthy if you want. You can have that BLT salad. I like it grilled. You may like it fried. But sometimes I go in there, and i am just got a hankering for a hamburger, man, that great restaurant-quality hamburger that's only available to you at Bulldog Burger Company. So many options to choose from. A lot of people out there do like a burger, a cheeseburger, a double burger, and maybe a bacon burger, and then call it a day. Nope, not Bulldog Burger Company. It's a smorgasbord of delight at Bulldog Burger Company. Uh, I, I encourage you on your first visit, if you're not exactly sure what to order, trust me, just get the Bulldog. Can't go wrong there. It's a great gateway burger into that great menu available to you at Bulldog Burger Company. But if you're a little more experienced, let me encourage you to branch out a little bit. Maybe get the Bryant, the Lauren. That Mississippi barbecue burger is absolutely outstanding. I typically get the onion rings, which is kind of weird. I'm not a big onions guy, but I do like onion rings because they're cooked. They're cooked because uncooked onions are the devil's weed. Yeah, it's true. But all that understood, you need to go put your feet under their table and let them feed you. Get the spring rolls as your appetizer. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive right here in Start Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go buy and cure what ails you, man. Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, I covered a women's basketball yesterday. Our Justin Frommer was uh, still traveling back from Missouri. And uh, so, dude, he called. I went and covered the women's game. It did not go well. They may not let me come back in. It did not go well. And uh, I want to spend a little time talking about this. And, and listen, as Sam Purcell said in postgame, our season's not over. This is a game that we expected to win. And Florida played exceptionally well. Exceptionally well. We didn't. Jessica Carter got hurt, did come back, but she was hobbled the rest of the game. She struggled to run the floor at times and uh, just wasn't the same. And uh, as one astute observer pointed out, he goes, well, she was still our leading scorer. Yeah, as noted in the article, sir, I wrote that in the article. And it's like you look up and, and, and again, that just kind of underscores the fact that Jessica Carter is the straw that makes the Bulldog drink stir. Without any question. Bulldogs now 20-6 and six overall, 7-4 and four in the Southeastern Conference. But, yeah, it's tough to lose at home. I mean, it really is, especially a game like that. And, granted, we played Florida. We, we ha- I don't think we've played Florida at full strength yet. And maybe we'll see them in the SEC tournament. But um, they got after us yesterday. Now, it's so interesting, too. 
And listen, I get it. I think Florida had more intensity than we did from the get-go. Florida won the tip but couldn't control it. Jessica Carter did. And uh, we had a couple of empty possessions to open. Like we, we had you know, Aaron Barnum misses a shot, and then Jessica Carter pulls the rebound down. And on her way back up, she loses the handle and has to come back down with it to corral it. Wasn't good. Wasn't good. And then we go down, and we get the ball down, down, and uh, Jessica misses a couple free throws. So a couple of empty possessions for us to open, and then Jessica Carter goes down. Now, when she first went down, like I saw her grabbing her face, I thought she'd gotten poked or something. Yeah, that's what I thought. And even Sam Purcell said in postgame, he saw her grab her face. And the next thing you know, our trainers are on the floor kind of attending to her. It was a lower extremity issue. I was really worried when they had to help her to the locker room. She couldn't even walk to the locker room under her own power. And I'm thinking, yeah, that's, that's probably it for the game. And now our immediate concern turns more to the health of Jessica Carter and the rest of our season rather than just a game. But when she was out, we went ice cold. Went about four minutes without a made basket, made a couple free throws in there. But we, we went a long time without a meaningful offensive possession. Meanwhile, Florida's knocking down shots. They're bombing us with threes. There was one stretch. They were 10 of 14 from beyond the arc. I think they finished up like 11 of 16. We'll double-check those numbers. But after one period of play, it was 26 to 15, and you start thinking, okay, we're in trouble. Jessica Carter returns, tries to give it a go, and, and give her a lot of credit for gutting the thing out and giving her team a chance. We had so many opportunities to try to even this thing up or at least pull within a reasonable, you know, deficit. But there were other times you look up and you think, we're fixing to get run out of our own gym. Matter of fact, at 5.36 to play in the second quarter, it is an 18-point lead for Florida. It is 39-21. to 21. They have nearly doubled us up in Humphrey Coliseum. They were playing exceptionally well. We were not. We were not. Rough, man. It even gets as high as 21 points with 331 to go. And we go on a little bit of a run here. Go on a 4-0 run and think, okay, you know, maybe we make this thing a little bit interesting. But no, they always had an answer. Leilani Correa transferred in this, this past year. Uh, Sam Purcell said in postgame uh, he thinks that she may be the sixth woman of the year in the SEC. They bring her off the bench, and she's still their leading scorer. Absolutely phenomenal player. I don't know if there's anybody else in the league like her. I asked Sam last night. I said, do you think – is there? I mean, honestly, is there anybody else with this refined skill? You know, he, he didn't really answer the question, but he did kind of say, you know what, hey, when you look at how well she's played, you know, she may be a candidate next year you know, for some big things, candidate for some big things this year. And I, I'm just going to say it for what it is. We don't have anybody that can match up with her. I'm just going to say it for what it is. There are some players that have a unique blend of size and skill that unless you have somebody of comfortable ability, either they're going to dribble drive by you or they're going to pull up and shoot over you. Now, Ja'Kayla Jordan is willing to get out there and compete. Miracle Shepard is as well. But I'm going to be honest with you, at this point in her development, Leilani is just better than Miracle Shepard. And that's not a criticism of Miracle. She's a freshman. But I thought Leilani was a difference in the ballgame. Again, you look up after her three-point basket with about a minute 30 to play, and it is a 20-point game at Humphrey Coliseum. That second period, not a good one for your Bulldogs by any stretch of the imagination. So the first quarter ends with us 
down 11, and then it's an 18-point deficit at the break. Now, in the third quarter, we come back, and we got a little juice here. We actually win the quarter by just two points, but there were multiple times in this quarter that we had the momentum and the crowd was really into the ball game. And you start thinking, okay, maybe we can will this thing along. Could we get it to single digits going to the fourth quarter? And then you begin to think, if we could just do that, if you can narrow this gap down to, say, eight or nine points going to the fourth, maybe, just maybe you got a chance. Of course, Jessica Carter did return, as we talked about. She just wasn't the same. And uh, I appreciate her. A lot of other players would have said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to sit this one out. But um, we go on a nice little stretch here. Put together a pretty good run. Again, we're down 18. And then Darian Rogers knocks down a couple free throws. And then Goni rips home a three from the corner. It's down to a 13-point game. And here you start thinking, we got some juice, the crowd's back into the ball game, and what do you know? The, Florida goes on a 4-0 run, takes it right back out to 17. They just always had an answer. Every time that we had made a run, they responded. Same situation. We cut it to 11 with 152. You're thinking, okay, it's 11. Let's get a stop. We can at least get it to 10. Maybe we get it in single digits here. And what do they do? It's a wide-open layup. goes back up to 13, and it's – it's just one of those crazy things. We go back and trade baskets, and then Broughton rips a three. And just like that, in, that in, in a minute's time, we go from having the basket or having a basketball with a chance to cut this thing down to single digits. And then what do they do? They hit a three. It's pretty crazy. Then they're up 16. Basket right at the buzzer to push them up 16. And you and I both know in women's basketball, when you go into the fourth quarter and you're down 16 points, it is a tough hill to climb. And that hill got even steeper. The very first possession for Florida in the fourth quarter, it's another three-point basket. So it's 19. Guys, the game is over. The outcome has been decided. The only, the only question was what the final score was going to be. And I'll, get, I'll tell you this. Mississippi State refused to quit. I give our ladies a lot of credit. They could have folded and said, you know what, it's just not our night. Matter of fact, Sam Purcell said that in postgame. It just wasn't our day. But the ladies refused to yield. That's what's made them such a good team this year. And so you look up there just under the six-minute mark, Jessica Carter with a nice layup there. It's down to 11 again. You've kind of chipped away and chipped away and chipped away. The next thing you know um, – you're a basket away. You're one possession away from making this a game again. And then they get a basket. I mean, just really getting to the rim with impunity with Jessica not 100%. Again, she, she played her best. I mean, no way am I trying to sit here and say this is on her. I'm very proud of her and her efforts. We simply could not get stops. And Sam Purcell said in postgame, yeah, I, I went to everything in my book. We went zone, went man, went pressure. We just couldn't get it. We just, it just wasn't a good matchup for us. Florida clearly learned. And then again, you look up here under three minutes, they have pushed it back out to 18. What an incredible run there. You know, it's like basketball is a game of runs, but you look back, Florida got initial separation in that first quarter. And it's one of those situations where they're ju- we're just trying to play catch up. We're chasing the game from basically about four minutes into the first quarter, the rest of the game. They got that separation there, and we could never really get caught up. And with a minute to play, it's a 20-point game. But again, our ladies played hard to the very end. Final score, 90-70. to 70. 
it's disappointing, but it's one of those things too. It's it's not a lack. It's not a matter of effort. It was a matter of execution, and Florida simply executed better. Look at the numbers here. Sapora Broughton, 16 points. She was two of two from beyond the arc. Florida as a team shot 11 of 18. Alberte Remdahl, three of six for 13 points. Uh, Faith Dutt, the one that got in a little bit of the tangle with uh, with Jessica Carter, wasn't anything intentional. I mean, it's just it's just you know two two players trying to make a play. A perfect five of five from the floor for 10 points. Also had four steals. We got a little loose and fast with the ball sometimes on the entry pass. Uh, Jariah Warren, really good defensive game for her. Didn't do a whole lot on the offensive end, but it seemed like every time that they needed to get a stop, somehow she was involved. And then there's Leilani Coroya. 30 minutes of action, 9 of 16 from the floor, 5 of 8 from beyond the arc. She hit her first four. She was four for four. We, we kind of cooled her off a little bit after that. She goes one for her final four. But four or five from the line, 27 points. She was the difference in the first game, even though we won. She was the key cog in the offensive machine for the Florida Gators, and she was again this time. An excellent player. Aliyah Matharu from Bulldogs, 16 minutes of action, just 11 points. But uh, I'm sure it was a very rewarding win for her. Look at the Mississippi State side of things. Jessica Carter, again, limited action, 28 minutes. Uh, seven of eight from the floor. Two of six from the line. 13 rebounds, 16 assists. So she gets a double-double. Despite her diminished ability that day because of the injury. And she'll be fine. We got the week off before we head to Oxford. But it's one of those things you look at it and just like, you know, hey, when she wasn't in the game, they did pretty much what they wanted to. But even before she got injured, Florida was punching. We were just kind of like, okay, we're at home. We'll be good. No. Aaron Barnum, decent game for her. Thought she missed some key shots. Had a- the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. A couple turnovers. Um, kind of uncharacteristic of her. 25 minutes, 5 of 10 from the floor, 3 of 4 from the line, 4 rebounds, 4 turnovers, a steal, and 13 points. Uh, Jaquela Jordan, pretty good game for her. On the defensive end, I thought there were times we got caught chasing a little bit. But uh, 34 minutes for her. 5 of 11, knocked down a couple threes, 12 points in the ballgame. Uh, Darian Rogers, uh, 12 points. Six of those coming from the line for her. She did hit a couple big threes. There were a couple other threes she took I thought were really out of her range, and it showed. I mean, I think we settled sometimes, got a little frustrated. Uh, but, again, no questioning the effort of this team by any stretch of the imagination. I thought they played hard. I just thought Florida was played better than us. And sometimes that's going to happen. And when you lose your star player – and it's not just the fact that they're absent of the game for a few minutes. It's what mental impact does it have on the rest of the team. And it was interesting, you know, Sam brought, asked the question, what kind of impact did that have? And Sam said, well, you know, we played again without her in a couple of games, you know, Miami and Chattanooga. Well, we, bought, we lost both of those games. We're going to go as Jessica Carter goes. There have been some other games you've seen it when Jessica Carter 
has doubled, you know, double double type numbers, we're in a good position to win. She did last night, and we still lost by 20. And so what you do with games like this, from my own coaching background, even when I was playing, when something like this happens, you just throw this tape away. Just be done with it. Be, I mean, just, you flush it as quickly as you can. Because it's not really characteristic of who you are. And sometimes the other team just has a better night. Now, some of that, too, you know, we got to get out and defend a little bit better. We allowed some open looks. We didn't get over in our, our rotation on defense, and they made us pay for it. And when you got Leilani out there that uh, is so proficient from beyond the arc, you put yourself in a pretty bad situation. So no midweek game for the Bulldogs. And uh, Sam Purcell said that everybody will have Monday and Tuesday off. They'll be back there on Wednesday. And he goes, I better see a very energetic group on Wednesday. We all know what's going to happen here. And I think this is probably the best scenario for State after the loss is to have a little time to let it marinate and then you can flush and then you get ready for the road trip in a rivalry game. If they can't get focused this week, and they will, if they can't, then they're not the team that we think they are. But we know how mentally tough these ladies are. And, of course, you've won, you've won five games in a row, including a win over Florida and Gainesville. We thought we had a chance to win them all down the stretch, with the exception of Ole Miss, and lo and behold, Florida gets us. And maybe we got caught looking ahead a little bit. I don't know. I mean, there's no reason for that when you don't have a midweek game. But, uh, you know, it's going to be in a big, 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 big game for Mississippi State. And, again, you look down the stretch here, you got a couple road games we're going to have to take care of. Uh, but the big one coming up uh, on Sunday, and we'll talk about that game. We'll preview it on Friday, on Friday's show. Well, let's take a look at the uh, what the loss does to us in the SEC standings. Still control our own destiny in that respect. Uh, Mississippi State still holding on to a top four spot. Still right there, currently fourth. Fourth in the SEC with a 7-4 record. We went to the weekend tied for second. And then LSU wins and we lose. So they pick up a game. Tennessee, uh, Ole Miss did not play. There's still kind of a game behind us in the schedule here. They'll get caught up with us this week because of the fact that uh, we have the bye week. But uh, very, very interesting situation. So despite the loss, the sky is not falling. We're still right there with a real chance to finish in the top four in this league, which is a significant development considering from which we've come and the health of the league. So, again, we still control our own destiny. And I, I'd love to be the four seed. I think it would be absolutely amazing to be the four seed when it's all said and done. And um, to have that level of finish, I think you feel really good about your regular season. So let's look ahead here at the schedule. Uh, tonight, in case you uh, are looking for something to watch, Arkansas is at Tennessee. That's a 6 p.m. tip. That will be broadcast on the SEC Network. And, again, we're sitting out the midweek, uh, so we've kind of got a chance to kind of get our legs back under us. And, and that's, that should be. We played a lot of games in a short period of time here. Looking ahead to Thursday, and uh, we'll talk more about it then. But uh, Thursday, Ole Miss travels to Florida. I think that's a really good development for State, especially the way that Florida has played as of late. They've won a couple games in a row. They beat Arkansas, beat Mississippi State. Uh, so Ole Miss heading down there, playing a very athletic Florida team on the road while we're sitting at home resting. And if you think about that LSU ball game, that uh, LSU and South Carolina played that Thursday before we played LSU that Monday, and all the players went over to Sam Purcell's house and just kind of watched the game together and kind of built some continuity. Maybe we do that again this week. Maybe we should. Uh, South Carolina is at Tennessee. 
on Thursday. And then Kentucky's at Auburn and Vanderbilt at A&M. Looking back at the weekend that was, for those of you that may have not kept up, uh, Vanderbilt goes into Georgia and beats them 61-55. to And then Auburn goes to Mizzou, wins that game uh, 70-59. to Johnny Harris, life in that staff. UConn, number 11, goes to South Carolina and gets crushed by 18 points, 83-65. to Florida, of course, wins here. Alabama goes to LSU. They get beat 85-66. And then A&M goes to Kentucky and gets them pretty good, 61-44. A&M playing really well uh, here as of late. So, uh, need some things to go our way. But the bottom line is this. Mississippi State women's basketball simply needs to win. And one game does not erase what's happened over the past three weeks, right? I mean, if I told you three weeks ago, hey, you're going to go 5-1 and one the next three weeks, you'd say, I take it right now because LSU's going to kill us. If we beat everybody else, we're thrilled. So we did go 5-1. and one. However, we got the marquee win over LSU and lose a game in Florida. I think it's a better trade, to be honest with you. When you begin to think about the net and things of that nature, it's just, you know, it's just kind of part of the deal. But uh, feel really good about where things stand right now with the ladies. We just got you. Know, you go beat Ole Miss, and then nobody's even going to remember that Florida game. Because you go beat Ole Miss in Oxford, not only is that one of your contemporaries, it's also one of your rivals. It's one of those teams, too, that you're competing with for seeding. And the fact that you have a chance to have swept that team, that is a good basketball team. Then all of a sudden, when the NCAA selection committee sits down and looks at your resume, it's like, well, here, here's Mississippi State and Ole Miss. These guys are kind of similarly situated. Oh, well, Mississippi State took both from Ole Miss. And so the chances are you would get a better spot in the postseason tournament bracket. And so that's how significant that game is. If we lose, season's not lost by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, all of a sudden you, your seeding begins to, to sink, right? It's going to be tough to kind of overcome that especially with a couple road games down the stretch. And, again, many of those road games that are left are in, are in driving distance to Tuscaloosa, to Auburn. Uh, so if you're a women's basketball fan, we encourage you to go attend. And if you can't attend, if, you know, maybe just say, hey, Steve, I can't afford to take that road trip during the week. We encourage you to make sure to, to keep up with the ladies uh, through the SEC Network or SEC Network Plus and certainly on social media. We'll have full coverage of everything uh, over at jeanspage.com. Come be a part of that. Uh, we, we enjoyed having uh, you guys around, and, and, and we go cover everything. We do. We work really hard uh, to provide you guys that information. And, and this is the, the value of a team. While Justin goes to Missouri, and we're going to talk about that after the top ten list, uh, Justin goes to Missouri, and then we're able to cover the, the women's game too. Uh, so nobody else did that. Nobody else in the country did that. Covered Mississippi State's men's game at Missouri and Mississippi State's home game against Florida women's basketball. That's something we're really proud of, to provide that level of commitment and diversity and content. Um, and so we're willing to get out and go for you. We could sit home, too, um, and just kind of watch a game on TV and write you up a, game, you know, a gamer. You know, we could do that. But we'd rather go and interview the players and post-game and things of that nature and talk to coaches and uh, really be able to paint the picture. So uh, come join us over at jeanspage.com. All right, time for today's top 10 list is always brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. That's C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. Blair Chandler is a mortgage professional. You can entrust your mortgage to a lot of people, but listen, 
The best way to go about things is to trust experience. Blair Chandler, 23 years of experience in the mortgage lending industry. Nobody stays in any industry 20 plus years by accident. You got to be a closer. Thus, close with Blair. Give Blair a text or call today at 601-500-2344. 601-500-2344. Blair's been with us a long time, and one of the reasons why is because you guys have sent your business to Blair. We've had several boneyard loans closed through Blair. It's not just because he's my friend. You know, Blair pays for advertising here. Well, he pays for advertising because he gets business from it. And the reason he gets business is because Blair knows how to get things done. Simple as that. Top 1% close ratio in the country, back-to-back-to-back years. Recently made the move to Fairway Mortgage. The same level of service followed him there. Ask him about co-signing for an 18-year-old and up. You could do that now in the state of Mississippi. Blair can help you navigate through all that stuff, whether you're looking to refinance or purchase a home. Blair knows how to get it done. Nobody and I mean nobody, will do a better job of getting you from the dream of home ownership to the reality of home ownership easier, safer than Blair Chandler. That's closedblair.com. All right, it hit me last week, and none of you suggested this band, and shame on me and shame on you. One of America's most successful rock bands of all time. Over 100 million albums sold. They have 17 platinum albums and a handful of gold albums to go along with that. I'm talking about Chicago. Chicago, second only to the Beach Boys and top 40 singles in the history of American music. How in the world did we miss Chicago? Well, here we are. And again, guys, we're four years into this. And now we're just now getting to Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah, the wife put on some Chicago earlier. We uh, listened to some tracks and kind of reminded ourselves, you remember, just about everybody listens to this show above the age of uh, 45, or maybe older, I don't know, had a copy of Chicago 17, their most successful album to date, six times platinum, Peter Cetera, of course, the lead singer, and many of you know Peter Cetera from his work uh, from Karate Kid 2. He uh, sang the theme song, I'm a man that'll fight for your honor. Great movie, great song. Not every song on this list was uh, fronted by Peter Cetera, but he is a very talented uh, musician. Chicago is still touring, too. A band that was founded in the late 60s, found some success on rock radio, eventually kind of matured and transitioned over to Top 40. Some amazing songs, and if you've been to a ball game at Duty Noble Field on a weekend, chances are you've heard a song from Chicago. All right, so we're going to get to number 10. This, this also is a little bit of a teaser for Friday's show. Our friend Melanie Moody has already suggested that we do Valentine's Day uh, Top 10 on Tuesday, on Wednesday. We're going to do that. So Valentine's Day, and then we may end up doing an anti-Valentine's Day list too. You never know. I would say probably the number one song on that album is probably Love Stinks from the Jay Giles Band. I don't agree. I don't think there's anything better than being in love. My personal opinion. Maybe you see things differently. I'd rather be in love than be rich, to be honest with you. My honest opinion. All right, number 10, a song that was written by Diane Warren. And uh, kind of, again, a teaser for a later top 10 list. But uh, this is the only number one hit in his Chicago catalog after Peter Cetera left the band. 
It's a track called Look Away that came out 1990-ish. I believe it's on Chicago 19. Yeah, they, that was their big thing. In Chicago, Chicago 1. They originally called the Chicago Transit Authority, CTA, and eventually shortened the name of Chicago. But, uh, yeah, a, a rich heritage, shall we say. All right, number nine, going back to that incredible album, Chicago 17. It's hard to say I'm sorry. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry, and I, and I just want you to know. I'm one of those kinds of people. One of the things that my dad told me years ago, and maybe um, maybe this will serve you well, but uh, he used to tell me, don't waste your time apologizing because uh, your friends don't need it and your enemies won't believe it anyway. But uh, one of the things that I think is the one of the most profound things that you can say to anybody is I'm sorry and I love you. And then move on. Move on. But hard to say I'm sorry. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. That was the the chorus aspect of it. But uh, I don't know. I'm a person that believes in recognizing my wrongs and then promptly admitting them. It's interesting in today's times, though. There's a lot of times people think you're wrong and want you to apologize when you're not. I'm willing to fight it out and have the uncomfortable conversation, and if there is fault that lies with me, I'm willing to apologize for that. But I'm not going to apologize because you got offended for me telling you the truth. I know that's, uh, that's almost a renegade-type opinion these days. I'm not going to just say I'm sorry because I hurt your feelings. You know, the truth is the truth. Number eight. Great, great track. They actually re-recorded this sometime later. Made a video when MTV was popular. It's a "If You Leave Me Now," one of these great ballads. Absolutely incredible song. We cranked that earlier today. It's the thing about Chicago. They had the rock element with the horns, and then they had some really, really kind of the softer side. There are a lot of people that really like Chicago, as evidenced by the fact they've sold a hundred million records plus. Number seven. As I took the dog out to use the restroom earlier, I come back in and she's listening to Hard Habit to Break. Makes me begin to wonder a little bit, right? No, I'm kidding. I even joke with her. I said, I wonder who you're reminiscing about, thinking about that from years gone by. But uh, Hard Habit to Break is uh, basically about, uh, it's a relationship. I'm addicted to you, babe. Your Hard Habit to Break. Number six, I remember being a kid listening to this. We used to have this big Dodge van that had this uh, cassette insert player. Like, it didn't come with the cassette. Like, it was added. We bought the van used from a neighbor. And uh, it was so great to be able to listen to our stuff and not just listen to AM radio. So we had the cassette. We jammed Chicago 17. There was a song that everybody used to sing this song. We didn't know what we were talking about. Stay the night. I want to spend it with you, number six on your list today. There's a much different culture these days. It's true. You know, when I was a teenager, and I'm learning, you know, I'm learning. And at some point, I'll age out. We all do, right? We get so antiquated in our beliefs. And no matter how profound they are to us, they're not shared by society as a whole. But one of the things, I had this conversation uh, with my youngest over the weekend. All we always, always, always be a gentleman. Always. Always. Always treat women with dignity and respect. Always. And if you can't, just walk away. Sever the ties and move on. And uh, you know, my youngest daughter brings up, you know, nowadays guys don't really take girls on dates. Everybody's looking for the hookup culture. You know, I, I understand the expedience in that, the efficiency and every bit of that. And, of course, spending some time in the music industry, I've got a little experience with that. 
Uh, but all that said, I'm a firm proponent. Maybe it's because of the fact that I had four sisters, uh, that I grew up with. My grandmother basically raised me until I was, my mom got remarried. I've got a healthy respect for women. And uh, I certainly believe that you, you know, I've raised my sons to be gentlemen. I treated their mother as a gentleman. I still do. I make a big deal out of her birthday. I don't ever let a holiday pass without doing something special for her. But it's more than just gift giving. You know, it's making their lives easier, if at all possible, and making them feel valued. That's one of the most important things you can do to somebody is make them feel important to you. It's true. And not really from a self-serving point of view. And, and so if, uh, if you have, if your daughters, I won't say you because you're too old, uh, but if, if your daughter has the pleasure of dating my son and uh, he does not treat her with dignity and respect, you let me know. Because I will handle that. I have raised him. He's got a great heart. He's going to make some young lady a wonderful husband someday. But uh, it's so incredible how things have changed. I mean, when I was a kid, not everybody had phones, much less a cell phone. It was always a big deal when you'd look in the phone book and you'd try to find you know, this girl's number, and it would have uh, the parent's name, and then just beneath that it would say children's phone. Well, then you knew you had a phone directly to her room. It was a big deal. And so you call her number over and over again, and you finally got her to answer the phone. You know, nowadays, we didn't have answer machines for a while. You know, so if you called and they just happened to be out of the room, they didn't even know you called. I mean, I'm from the days that precedes caller ID. You guys don't understand how many times you'd, you know, you'd have to throw that hook in the water, and eventually you'd catch her, talk to her on the phone, hopefully. Nowadays, you guys can just send a text, hey, you up? Different dynamic. All right, number five, along those lines, too, of um, healthy relationships, it's you're the inspiration, number five. It's basically you, know, you meet somebody, and all of a sudden they make you a better person. I, I, I'll tell you this. We're getting close to Valentine's Day, but uh, much of my ambition in life is rooted in the fact of who I married. You know, one of the things that I think what really maybe typifies, in many respects, uh, a healthy relationship is that you make each other better. And I'll be honest with you, and, and all due respect to anybody out there that, that has uh, you know, maybe the modest upbringing that I had, I would have been content, you know, buy a double-wide trailer and live out in the country and, and just be fine. That, that's, that, I would have been fine with that, tr- truthfully. But uh, Dana saw some things in me and said, hey, I think you can do this, and I think you should try this, and you know, I've never, I've never heard her ever heard her come to me and say, I don't think you can do that. There have been some times she would say, I don't think you should do that. But never has she said, I don't think you're capable of doing that. You know, we're kicking around some ideas for some new music and things like that. You know, she's like, hey, go do it. Go do it. We always need, everybody needs a cheerleader of sorts. I have one. That's not to say, listen, Trust me, getting this new business up and down here as of late, but it's one of those situations where you come home and say, hey, can you do this? Can you do that? There's a lot of that. She's not a nag by any stretch of the imagination. But, uh, yeah, you're the inspiration. A really, really good, healthy love song. Number four, kind of pre- predating the Peter Cetera pop rock era. It's 25 or 6 to 4. Do you know what that song is about? Do you know where the title comes from? Do you know this? I bet you don't. So the whole thing, the long night recording session, they're working overnight on a song, didn't have a title for it, and uh, they were getting groggy. You know how it is, sometimes you, uh, you speak in code, 
So imagine a clock. And, um, you know, the 30-minute hand is six, right? Because we have five-minute increments in the big hands. Nowadays, most people don't know how to read a clock. Remember when in school we had to know how to do that, how to read a clock? Everything's digital these days. Most people don't even wear watches except for a fashion statement because you can have it on your phone, right? It's true. But anyway, so it was about uh, 3.27 in the morning, and one of the songwriters said, hey, what time is it? And they goes, hey, it's uh, 25 or 6 to 4. Rather than 25 or 30 minutes to 4 or 3.25 or 3.30, that's what happened. That's kind of how it all came to be. 25 or 6 to 4 was really indicative of the timestamp. And we're not going to answer that. That's number four on your list. Number three, great, great song. And uh, of the ballads, this is my favorite one, I, I think. And there's some legendary ones I've got, still got to get to. But uh, I absolutely love this one. This is an amazing love song. There were some people back in the day that used this like as their wedding song. It's Will You Still Love Me? Number three, Will You Still Love Me for the Rest of Your Life? I got a lot of love and I don't want to let go. Great, great song. It's one of those songs that really, 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 really puts you in a good mood. Well, you love somebody. Again, there's nothing better than that, for sure. Number two, I was in a band with a guy one day, and he wanted us to cover the song. We didn't. Eventually um, moved on without him because this wasn't my cup of tea. But uh, he had sung, like, weddings and things like that, and he's like, oh, man, the crowd always responds to this. Let's cover Color My World. That's your number two track. Amazing track, but it doesn't really fit the dreadlocks and the tattoos for me. I don't even think you could rock that up. Just my own opinion. But uh, it is an amazing song. And again, it's a relationship song. You know, absolutely amazing. I've seen some people bring the house down singing this song. I'm not capable of doing that, but maybe you are. But number one, love the horns. Like when you think, begin to think about, there are some bands like they add horns to it or whatever. And uh, things don't always work out. You know, there's some people where it just seems kind of contrived. We're going to add the horns here. We're going to put a horn section in. It doesn't work. But that's the deal with this one, man. The horns absolutely work. It is a perfect, perfect synthesis of the rock element and the horns. And again, you hear it most Saturdays at Dirty Noble Field. It's Saturday in the park. I think it was the 4th of July. Yeah, great, great song. That's the number one Chicago song to me. You may see it differently. You know, that's okay. When you've got a, a catalog this extensive, there aren't a lot of wrong answers. And as Dana as I discussed this when I put the list together, she goes, yeah, it's pretty good, but you could make a case for a lot of these songs to, to move up or move down or whatever. And that's the beauty of it all. When you've got a band like this, man, it's been touring forever and a day, it's pretty easy to get excited about that. And I know many of you young bucks don't know Chicago. Let me tell you this. You get Chicago 17. Let's say that you're that you're you're done with the hookup culture for a while, whatever, and you want to have a real relationship. Listen to Chicago 17 instead of listening to all this, uh, you know, this trash that's out here now. Because I believe in the whole garbage in, garbage out mentality. And people would say, but yeah, I listen to songs that reflect my mood. Well, maybe your mood needs to change, right? But uh, if you want to really be a romantic, then uh, I would encourage you to uh, put on Chicago 17, learn a few things. Uh, from the guys. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let us know. Best way to do that is to hit up Roy Samanti on Twitter, my friend, Roy Samanti. 
And uh, his handle is uh, Dogmatic67, D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. You can also find our great list on Spotify under that same handle. Just subscribe. Just follow him. Make it easy for yourself. Uh, but if, yeah, this is probably a band that hasn't really appealed to this new generation. And it's just because music has changed. It's not anything to do with the quality. When you sell 100 million records, uh, it's not by accident. And I don't mean 100 million streams where they make like 2,500 bucks. I'm talking 100 million albums. That's what they've done. Absolutely incredible. I- I'm sure if we'd had streaming back in the 80s, uh, we would have put some of these uh, the modern-day artists to shame. It's- I saw an interview recently, too. I think it was Snoop Dogg. That he'd gotten some plaque about so many million streams on some album. I think he made it like a couple thousand dollars. It's not right, man. It's not right. So be sure and go out and support your local musicians. Buy some merch. Buy the vinyl. Whatever you want to do. If you want to keep them making music and keep them touring so you can go see them, don't just see them as an option. See them as a you know, right responsibility for you to go and support your favorite artist. And again, thanks as always for your support of the Top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a start brilliant institution. Guys, I firmly believe in shopping local. That's my attitude. Doesn't matter where I'm eating, where I'm shopping. I like to do business with local businesses, even when I travel. That's what I do. I support small business. You should too. A lot of people out there may disagree, but I like to support people like myself that uh, are business owners just trying to make things happen. And that's what Campus Bookmart is. It is a Starkville institution. And if you want to support a Starkville business, and you certainly should, even if you don't live around here, if you can't make it to town very often, visit them on the World Wide Web at campusbookmart.net. And by being a Lawyer Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. That gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. And guys, listen, baseball season's here. You need to update your M over S gear. Good chance we're going to have some NCAA tournament shirts on the basketball side, too. You need to be thinking about that. Miss Kathy will do a good job for you there. It's so important. It's so important. There's some of these businesses at times we take for granted. Oh, they're just always going to be there. No, they're not always going to be there. You know, people retire. People decide to move on. And sometimes things get a little bit, you know, slight. Let's support our historical businesses. And certainly Campus Bookmart is part of that. When you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces. But if not, you can order online. You can order online from a lot of places. But you know what? You order through Campus Bookmark, we can save you some money. Again, promo code BSR. All right, men's basketball. Uh, We finally get a road win. And uh, it's big for us just because we hadn't had one. Now the Bulldogs are now 1-6 in true road games and and 7-6 overall in games away from Humphrey Coliseum. State's been very good at home this year, 9-2, and and it's good for us to kind of get over the hump here and take care of Missouri. And listen, Missouri's not a great team. I'm not going to sit here and act like hype this thing up like we beat Kentucky or something. But uh, Bulldogs now 5-6 and in the conference, 16-8 and overall. Let's take a quick look back at Missouri before we take a look forward. And again, it was just so great to go up there and get a dub and kind of, you know, you get that taken care of, right? You get that monkey off your back in many respects. Uh, reminder, this Saturday, no midweek game for the Bulldogs. We're going to celebrate uh, Valentine's in style. You guys are going to have a chance to go out and have dates. Uh, reminds me, too, if you're still looking for a, a unique gift, you can get the Valentine's Day special with True Rest. You can get two floats for 99 bucks. That's a great, great gift. You can't float together, but you can float at the same time. All right, let's look at this Missouri thing. 
It was a wild there. It, you know, it's kind of herky-jerky, right? I mean, it was just so crazy that that game was close. And we, we talked about how competitive Missouri had been in games, with rare exception. So we didn't expect a blowout. We ended up getting a blowout, but at the break, it started to get 26. And against State, some opportunities, you know, to, to, to really do a good job here at the free throw line. And that, that continues to be an issue for us. I don't like it. You don't like it. Kind of part of the deal. But uh, we got to get some things figured out. But, uh, you know, you work through this and you work through this. And it's nip and tuck to this first first half. It just is. I don't know why we don't do quarters in men's college basketball. It's like the only level we don't do it. You do it in the NBA. You do it in high school. The ladies do it. I don't know. <clears throat> just my personal opinion. That's right. I wish we'd do it. I'm sure ESPN does too so they could cram in more commercial breaks. But – you know, we, we get down in this ball game just a little bit, and then all of a sudden you look up, and State's pushed it out to eight, just around the nine-minute mark. And you think, okay, now is we'll, we'll just kind of run away with this thing. We'll go ahead and put it away. The next thing you know, you look up after Tamar Bates makes one free throw. Uh, it's a three-point game, but just 19-16. And against State, you know, again, it felt like we could get what we wanted offensively, and it felt like they couldn't score if we didn't just have a bust or we didn't foul them and put them on the line. But uh, Nick Honor kind of hanging in there, kind of carrying him along. We talked about that in the preview. He was the guy you had to watch for sure. But State pushes it right back out to 10. And then Missouri closes the half on a little bit of a run here and cuts it down to a four-point game after a pair of Nick Honor three-point baskets. And we're kind of content to let you shoot from the perimeter. We want to close out on you and things like that, but we really want you taking that low percentage shot. But in this second half, man, Mississippi State really just kind of took over. Shaquille Moore opens up there with a three-point basket to push it right back out to seven. And to be honest with you, it never really felt at any point after that that Missouri was going to make a run. Uh, You look up right there at the uh, 16-minute mark after a Tolu Smith uh, basket takes it out to a dozen. And we just kind of nursed this thing along the rest of the game. The lead swells to 20 at 50-30 to 30, uh, with 12.40 to play. And it's like, you know what, this, this game is going to go the way we want it to go. Hubbard uh, pushes the three up and in. Uh, and then you get Sean Jones with a dunk there. It's going to be amazing uh, seeing him play as well as he has without DJ Jeffries. Sean, we talk about a next man up mentality. Sean's doing his part, really doing his part, really happy for him. But from there, again, we just kind of coasted. Kind of nurse this thing along, push it out to 24 points on a layup from Keyshawn Murphy. Almost like signing a free agent, getting him back. He's a guy, too, that we expect to play well. Uh, Jimmy Bell, good to see Jimmy out there converting a couple free throws, takes it out to 26. The next thing you know, it's it's a 28-point game, and everybody just kind of relaxes here and enjoys the rest of it because you just know up 28 with four minutes to play, the chances of us losing this game are minuscule. Bottom line is uh, State controlled the second half of this ball game, and uh, outside of a you know a, a basket late, it was kind of academic by Tamar Bates. Just not much happening here for Missouri in the second half, uh, not much at all. And I thought defensively we played exceptionally well in the second half. It took us a little while to get going offensively, and that's kind of who we are right now. But uh, a 45-point second half for Mississippi State. More times than not, when you score at that proficiency. 
no matter who you're playing or where you're playing, there's a good chance you're going to win the ball game. Missouri now drops to 8-16 and 16 overall and 0-11 and in the Southeastern Conference. Let's kind of get inside the numbers here a little bit. Uh, for Mississippi State, Josh Hubbard led the way with 16 points. Also had a couple of steals. No turnovers, too. That's always great. Uh, Shaquille Moore, nice game for Shaquille. Really, really nice game for Shaquille. And there's been some games, too, where you know he's kind of been absent, but uh, this was a good one here. 14 points for him in 27 minutes of action. Very efficient in his work. Tolu Smith, 13 points, 11 rebounds. We'll take a double-double every time. Uh, that's all of your double-digit scores, but it was really kind of by committee from that. Cam Matthews, again, just kind of doing the grunt work. Uh, 9.7 rebounds and just a couple of fouls. And it's so great when we get into the second half with Cam and he doesn't have a couple fouls and he can play real aggressive defense because there's not a lot of people as athletic as Cameron Matthews, especially in the defensive half court. He's just a guy that just does everything uh, with such a high level of effort. It really, really makes it difficult. Keyshawn Murphy pulled down four rebounds, had seven points in 18 minutes of action. Guys, if, if that's a stat line that we're going to get from him most games, I think we're going to be pretty pleased with his contributions because, you know, there's going to be that one game where you're going to get loose and, and you'll score – you know, 15, 16 points. Uh, Rams Davis, a lot of minutes for him. Not a lot of offensive production, but I thought he played really good defense. Just one of five from the floor. The one was a three-point basket. Uh, but from there, we had a lot of people get into the scoring column, uh, and that's what happens when these games get a little separation. Bulldog shot 47.5% for the game, 36 from three, but just 47.6% from the free throw line. 10 of 21. Two of those 10 come from Jimmy Bell off the bench. Uh, our starters are really having a tough time at, uh, converting on the free throws. Hubbard was two of four. That's that, that's kind of an outlier. But Tolu, one of five. In the game that Tolu wants to play, he's going to have to make free throws for sure. Cam Matthews, one of four. Sean Jones, three of four. Keyshawn Murphy, one of two. And then, of course, Jimmy Bell, the two of two. But it's just not much conversion there. We're not getting to the line. And when we do get there, uh, we're not converting. Nick Honor, pretty much to script here, 15 points for him. We held him beneath his season average, but he was still the leading scorer. Uh, three of seven from beyond the arc, converted all four of his free throw attempts, did have the five turnovers uh, in the ballgame. Tamar Bates, again, you expected him to be a score just 11 points. And again, this is just kind of illustrates how well that State played, that even their star players led them, but were held beneath their, their season averages. And that's going to be that's going to be part of it every time. That's going to be a part of this every single time when State's playing well. We're going to turn defense into offense, but we're going to make it. We're going to make it feel like a root canal uh, on the defensive end because we're going to grind it out. We're going to make you take bad shots. When we get into a situation where people find offensive rhythm and we're chasing the ball, and all of a sudden that extra pass gets them a wide open look, uh, we're kind of hoping that they miss the shot. But um, again, thirty-four percent from the field. That duck usually wins first prize. When you got people shooting with that poor uh, level of efficiency, just 9 of 24 in the first half, 7 of 23 in the second half. And what, what's incredible about that, too, is Missouri is chasing the game here, right? So it's like you're thinking, okay, we're not going to work that deep in the clock. we got to get caught up, play with a sense of urgency. And they took one less shot than they did in the first half when, that, when it was a six-point game. So, again, in the second half, you would expect them to have more shot attempts but the Bulldogs is kind of clamping down here. And, again, 30% from the field in the second half. They did not convert a three-pointer in the second half. They hit three in the first half. They go 0 for 8 
in the second half. So just three of 18, we talk about that. We're, we're kind of content for you to take the low percentage shot, and we're going to do our best to close out and just do a little bit something to kind of alter the shot a bit. We did. And in, in, in their home arena, when you only make three, three-pointers, chances are you're going to lose. They were good at the line 16 of 20, and most of those misses actually came uh, there in the first half. Uh, we've got to be better at the free throw line. But, uh, again, good win for us. Again, just because of the fact we don't have to say this, well, State's winless on the road. Uh, State went out there, again, and, and held Missouri to just 51 points. And what's incredible about that, too, that's the lowest offensive output of the year for Missouri. And granted, Missouri's not a great team. Don't get me wrong by any stretch of the imagination. But you go into somebody else's home arena and hold them to a season low in offensive production – that's a pretty good measure of a good defensive team. And you know as well as I do, they were probably licking their chops a little bit, thinking, you know what, hey, this may be a chance for us. Mississippi State's better for us, but they haven't been a good team on the road. So maybe we got a chance here uh, to pick up that first SEC win of the year. I think that's an important aspect of it, too. We, we got their best shot because I'm sure they were telling themselves – if we can just kind of stay in this thing, maybe the crowd will take over. Not that it was a huge crowd there at Missouri, but you understand my point. It's not like Missouri came in and just laid down in this ballgame. Uh, they came ready to play. Mississippi State was just simply better in every aspect of it. All right, let's look ahead now. Uh, Bulldogs will play Saturday, so we'll preview that game on Friday's show as uh, the, the Bulldogs host Arkansas. Now, we're, we've uh, worked our – Baseball schedule around basketball. So if you are attending the Arkansas game, you don't have to pick and choose. One o'clock tip from Humphrey Coliseum, and then first pitch at Duty Noble at four o'clock Saturday. So you, if you're here for the weekend, and many of you are, or if you're just coming for the day, you can double dip. You can support men's basketball and then go support baseball. So you don't have to pick and choose. You don't have to pick and choose. Now I understand men's basketball parking takes priority. I understand that before we even get started, because that, that's what'll be that, that'll be the discussion on Friday. Is we get some stuff to kind of prepare you a little bit for game day. We'll share that with you on Friday. Uh, but Arkansas, a team that's really struggled this year, in a venue where we have played really well. It's a game that we expect to win, and again, we'll talk about that uh, more on Friday. But again, happy to get the dub. Uh, over Missouri, because we, we have taken some schools up – pardon me. We've taken some teams up there, as we mentioned last week, where weird things have just happened up there. Really weird things at times. Let's look at the weekend that was in SEC basketball. Uh, if you haven't checked it out, let's go back and look real quick here. That's some basketball tomorrow night, too. We'll, we'll talk about that here shortly. But uh, looking back at Saturday, uh, Alabama – Man, what an entertaining game that proved to be. Alabama goes to the Maravich Assembly Center, and they win 109-92. to It's like the old Loyola Marymount LSU days, right? That was. Do you remember that game? Yeah. Legendary game, college basketball. Uh, Vanderbilt, that has struggled, goes to South Carolina, makes a game of it for a bit, and then South Carolina wins 75-60. to Florida. Upset winners over Auburn, 81-65. to Did you expect that? We talked a little bit about Florida kind of figuring some things out. And, again, the fact that Auburn is such a good team it just continues to kind of show you how difficult it is to win on the road in the Southeastern Conference. Gonzaga goes into Rupp Arena 
and beats Kentucky, an unranked Gonzaga team, wins in Lexington 89-85. Georgia and Arkansas, what a tough game that proved to be. The home team wins by three. Georgia, a decent team. Arkansas, a team that truly struggled, got the benefit of the home court advantage, 78-75. Big win for Eric Musselman in Arkansas. Tennessee, sixth-ranked Tennessee, goes into College Station and gets smacked. This Tennessee team, let's just kind of call it for what it is, as athletic as they are and as pro-potential projected as they are, they've been a disappointment at times this year. They've dropped some games they shouldn't. They have not been nearly as good on the road as you'd expect. And so that's something to kind of watch as we get into the SEC tournament. You know, would you say, is there a team right now you look at and say, this team is just going to dominate the tournament? I don't, think that, I don't think you would say that. I know that I wouldn't. All right, let's look ahead here. Till, uh, we've got some basketball games on Tuesday. A&M at Vanderbilt should be a win for the Aggies. And then LSU goes to Florida. That could be a fun one. I think I'm going to go with Golden. And again, two of, uh, three, of State's three finalists for the head coaching job going head-to-head. Ole Miss goes to Kentucky. That could be a very entertaining game. That's a nightcap, too. It's 8 p.m. on ESPN. You know Kentucky's going to be angry. Kentucky, one of the more talented teams in the country. Ole Miss has played pretty well, but not on the road as much. Always rather interesting uh, to see those two, uh, you know, to see what Ole Miss could do. And, and listen, you can say what you want to about Ole Miss, but they played pretty well, especially at home. Uh, Wednesday, we got South Carolina at Auburn, Tennessee to Arkansas. We'll talk a little bit more about that stuff uh, Wednesday. But let's take a look at the standings. Kind of see how things shook out now. You know, State right there still in the meaty part of the curve. South Carolina tied with Alabama in first place. South Carolina has now won seven games in a row. Seven. I think it's pretty safe to say who your SEC coach of the year is going to be, and he's in Columbia, South Carolina. Alabama, of course, 9-2. and two. Auburn, a game back at 8-3. and three. Tennessee still, you know, they've already had their bye week. But uh, they'll get caught up. They're 7-3 and three right now, so a half game behind Auburn. And then things get really, really thick right here. Florida now 6-4, and four, Kentucky 6-4, and four, A&M 6-4. And There's Ole Miss at 5-5, five and, five, and then State right there at 5-6. and six. Kentucky's the most athletic bunch, but I think you can take those five teams and you could probably make a case when those teams are playing at their best are probably a four or five seed in the SEC tournament. LSU's four and six, Georgia four and seven, Arkansas three and seven, Vanderbilt one and nine, Missouri 0 and 11. Of course, Vanderbilt's uh, long SEC win came over Missouri. But uh, rather interesting, you know, Missouri now 11 consecutive losses. You begin to ask yourself, you know, what's next, you know, for Missouri? What's going to happen up there? Not that we would you know, be overly concerned about it, but uh, there's always some type of stuff going on. And I think Musselman obviously saved at Arkansas based on, you know, have one bad year. You know, this, the, the league has changed. People have changed. But uh, Arkansas should be okay. But uh, certainly Vanderbilt, <clears throat> how much do they care about winning up there? You know, Jerry Stackhouse just not getting it done. Six and 17 overall have not won a single game away from Nashville. 0-6 on the road, 0-3 in neutral games, so 0-9 overall. But, uh, again, rather interesting uh, to see what's happening to the teams behind us. But 
all the more reason, we, again, we, we break the schedule down kind of like in uh, four-game quadrants, you know, kind of see how we are, what we're looking like for the next four. We have got to win, uh, you know, we, you look at these three, all four of the next four are winnable games. There's also the potential that you could go two and two. These games, in many respects, are toss-ups. Now, State at home against Arkansas, you got to like that one. And you consider Ole Miss's road woes and the fact that, that game was so competitive in the pavilion and the fact that we lost in the manner of which we did, we should be motivated to play there. If I had to call it today, I'd say we win that game. So that gets you, you know, two wins in, in those games. you got to go to LSU. It's always tough to go on the road, but that's a winnable game for us. But considering our road woes, I don't know that I would pick us to win. Then Kentucky comes here. And that's the thing, man. You start thinking about that, that final stretch of Kentucky at Auburn, at College Station, and then South Carolina coming in here. You got to make hay while the sun is shining. That means the state needs to take care of Arkansas, Ole Miss, and then win that game at LSU. Those final four are brutal. Can you earn a split in those final four? I think it's going to be tough. As good as, good as we have been, I think it's going to be difficult. Uh, because of the fact, again, we haven't been good on the road, and you're going to have South Carolina coming in here potentially playing for an SEC championship. I bet you didn't think we'd ever be saying that back in the preseason. So, yeah, we have got to strike while the iron is hot, and that's got to happen here in these next few ball games. You have got to find a way to get by Arkansas and Ole Miss and probably pull out a win at LSU and then hope somehow down the stretch you can get you a win somewhere or two because when they start talking about looking at the last 10 and things like that, I, I, you know, it felt like early on that we were going to be a, probably a solid eight or nine seed in this thing. And, and now all of a sudden you begin to look at the way things have shaped up, not just with this Mississippi State team, but with the rest of the league. And you begin to kind of ask yourself, are we an NIT team this year? Would that be a disappointment? I think in some respects it would be. In other respects, you know, you'd say, you know what, when you factor in all the – the adjustments and the attrition on the roster and the injuries and the fact that Andrew Taylor didn't stay and he was the guy we were expected to come in from Marshall and do some big things for us. You can kind of explain it away in some respects, but the bottom line is this. If you don't hang a banner in the hump, it's not a successful year. It's not. Um, I mean, no way on uh, a Chris Jans negativity streak by any stretch. I think Chris Jans an amazing basketball coach. Uh, probably got to do a little bit better with roster construction. But uh, who knew that Andrew Taylor was going to flake out the way that he did and just kind of leave us, you know, hanging. And then you got the Keyshawn Murphy thing, and now all of a sudden he's playing his way back. But I won't be the least bit surprised if State finds a way uh, to get a split in those final four ball games. But uh, in every one of those is going to be a very meaningful game against a quality opponent that's playing for positioning in the tournament. But before we get there, again, you look at these next three, Arkansas, Ole Miss, LSU, we got to find a way to win all three of those. We absolutely do. And that's not going to be easy by any stretch of the imagination. But we've got to find a way to win those games. So we need you to turn out these next two ball games. Again, we play this Saturday, 1 o'clock. That game's going to be on ESPNU, but it don't matter because you're going to be here and you can go to baseball. And then we're going to play that Wednesday on ESPN2, 8 p.m. tip. Probably not want to uh, – if you're not from the area, you'll probably uh, – want to watch it on TV, but I do. I think we'll probably have a capacity crowd that night, and we need that. So, again, a chance for you to come and be a part of something important for Mississippi State men's basketball, and I want to thank everybody that's turned out another sellout crowd. 
coming in this weekend. Uh, we need one for that Ole Miss game. Absolutely do. But more importantly, we need you guys to be here, not just buy the tickets, but to be here to make this a very raucous environment. All right, last segment of the show brought to you by the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. If you're bringing a large group to Starkville, look no further than the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. Five bedrooms, two baths, a very expensive back porch area, that fire pit. Everything you need to entertain is available at the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. It's just five minutes away from the Mississippi State campus. How about that aspect of things, right? Yeah, so rather than rent five hotel rooms where everybody's got to go out to eat, which is great, but if you're going to be here for a while, if you're going to be here for a few days, that can get very expensive. Cut your expenses, but also enjoy the amenities that are available by renting a house. It's a former country club, clubhouse, very easy to find, very conveniently located. Uh, some friends of mine have used it as part of a uh, you know, work venture. They had to do some work in the Golden Triangle and said, hey, let's get a house. We can produce some content here. We can stage here. We can have our planning meetings here. Then everybody can kind of retreat to their own quarters at the end of the night. And we can go buy some groceries and cook. We can stock some adult beverages. So rather than you having to go out, hang out at some bar somewhere, or perhaps uh, you know a hotel lobby where people are going to be interloping on your conversation, why not just use the Stark Vegas Clubhouse? Don't overthink, right? Make it easy for yourself. And we're going to save you a little money So listen to this show. And when you Google the Stark Vegas Clubhouse, their Facebook page is going to come up and you can just kind of peruse those pictures and see the great facility that's available to you. But also, you can book the VRBO or Airbnb. I don't know what your needs are, but you know what? If it's going to be coming out of your pocket, you want to get that as cheaply as possible. Book through the Evolve website. Evolve can make it easy for you. Promo code BSR10. Save 10% off your stay on me. How about that? We're just going to cut 10% off your stay, no matter how long it is. Use promo code BSR10. Stark Vegas Clubhouse. No better place to stay when you're bringing a large group to Starkville for a ballgame weekend or a work retreat or whatever. Maybe it's a staycation. Maybe you want to just, hey, let's all meet up here, rent a house, and we'll just hang out and watch Netflix and, and eat bonbons on the couch. You can do that too. Yeah. Maybe make it a guy's weekend. It's up to you. But the Stark Vegas Clubhouse. No better place to stay in Stark Vegas. All right, you may have heard. If you haven't, let me get you up to speed. All right, Mississippi State, 4 p.m. start on Friday. And I know right now there is already some angst about the start time. Uh, Steve, I wish we had a night game. I do too. I like it. But I also understand that uh, cold weather and baseball don't always go together. And that's not just for you guys. It's also for the players themselves that are out there having to play especially with the you know, guys just kind of getting ramped back up to speed. They get up to midseason form when the temperatures rise. Temperatures are going to be kind of chilly. Uh, I don't know if you've looked at the forecast, but it looks like rain is kind of out of the area now. Not expected to be an issue this weekend. Windy in Starkville today. I don't know that I want to pitch today. Don't know if the winds are blowing out or not. But uh, Friday, a low of 46, a high of 64. And then Saturday and Sunday, the overnight low is going to be below freezing with uh, highs in the low 50s. So we're going to play at 4 p.m. Friday, 4 p.m. Saturday, and then 1 p.m. on Sunday. And some would say, but Steve, we always play a Friday night game. Well, actually, under Chris Amonis, we haven't. 
And I wrote about this earlier today. We have played afternoon games in the season opener since Lamonos has been here. Going back to 2019, we played Youngstown State at guess what time? 4 o'clock Central. In 2020, we played Wright State at 1 o'clock Central. And then 2021, we actually went on the road. Remember, they had to delay the whole event at the State Farm Classic out there. We had to share a plane with Ole Miss. We had to fly to Tupelo because those guys couldn't get out because of all the snow and the ice there in the greater Memphis area. And so we played that game at 11 o'clock on Saturday. So we beat Texas, who we also beat in the College World Series twice. In 2022, at 2 p.m., we played Long Beach State. That's the long loss in a season opener at Lamontis area. We got beat 3 nothing that ball game. And then last year, we played VMI at 3 o'clock. So this has kind of been, as Greg Campbell used to call it, the former Mississippi State Director of Information for State Baseball, media relations in your terms. Uh, we call this the Chris Lamontis Special. We'll have to go ahead and play in the afternoon, go ahead and begin our post-game rituals and kind of get all of our uh you know up our recovery stuff done and get ready to play again on saturday so we're going to play a little bit earlier again it's a 4 p.m start many of you have already asked off for that day so you can leave early and come up here and be a part of this there are many of you that can't get off and i apologize on behalf of everybody else but this is not a new development so i understand that and people are like i don't understand well you guys it's about winning the ball game okay it's not just about the party the party is secondary to the game. I enjoy going out to the lounge, too, when I can. Kind of hang out with the wife. <clears throat> Go out there and hang out in the right field tiki lounge with my friends. You know, Hobie's out there. Johnny's out there. Elvis is out there. All my friends are out there. You know, Stump, everybody. But it's as much fun as that is, there's nothing more fun than winning. And part of winning is uh, taking care of your players. Uh, so not playing in that cold air at night, probably a good thing. I know people are like, Steve, you don't understand. No, I, I do understand, but I understand that nothing's bigger than the program. Nothing's bigger than the performance of the players on the field. Uh, as I had somebody say, I'm, I'm sorry that the, time, the, spark, the start time you know, ruins your party, but the ball game comes first. Uh, but I like the night games too. I do. <clears throat> There's nothing better when we get an SEC play and things are warming up a little bit and we're able to play at night. You guys can come pack it out. You know, Saturdays are typically our, our big attendance days. Sundays are always kind of just okay because a lot of you guys got to get back for church. But Saturday is a, is a big, big deal for us. But, um, again, you got the doubleheader on Saturday with men's basketball. So come get tickets to both. You know, pick and choose. You know, we got some people out there that will judge you. If you don't go to basketball, but go to baseball. So try to do both if you can. And uh, if you can get tickets, you may not be able to. Yeah, you may not. But uh, if you can't, that's okay. We'll see you out at the dude. Now, one of the things now, we got to finish this uh, roster up. And that's been interesting to me. Uh, I asked some time ago about our roster and was told, hey, we'll have it to you no later than the 16th. Well, I'm like, well, well, yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. We're expecting that. You know, it's not something that, uh, you know, we're completely oblivious to. But uh, we have not announced the full roster. Many of our contemporaries in the Southeastern Conference have. I think we have until Thursday. By rule, we have to turn in the, rule, the uh, roster by Thursday. Today's Monday. I suspect we'll know it 
uh, maybe tomorrow, maybe at the latest Wednesday. But uh, kind of working through some things. Now, it's not it's one of those things, too. It's not like, well, the guys are completely oblivious. Uh, what is kind of a concern to me is uh, now the staff knows things they haven't made public, right? But we got to settle a rotation, and uh, we got to let guys know. And, of course, you know, Last week, you know, we had uh, you know Gerangelo through the first pitch on Friday. I suspect he will this Friday as well. Interesting too. It was a couple times he threw uh, right-handed to left-handers, not exclusively. Probably some analytics involved in all of that. You know, based on the splits of how guys handle certain things. Uh, but uh, yeah, Gerangelo looks better. He looks more confident. I suspect he's your Friday starter. But you've got to let these guys know. And uh, maybe Lamonis has done that today. I don't know. But you got to let these guys know kind of what their roles are going to be because the mental preparation for baseball is as important, if not even more important, than the physical preparation, especially for pitches. you got to start visualizing some things. you got to start watching from some film, figure out how you're going to attack certain hitters. As we get deeper into the week, we'll preview Air Force. They had a losing record last year. They are picked third in the Mountain West this year. Uh, so probably a solid team, probably a good opening test for us, not a Power 5 program, and certainly they missed Paul Skeens last year. Of course, uh, Skeens, arguably the best pitcher that we've seen in a decade or more in college baseball, and maybe the best LSU pitcher since Ben McDonald. And that's going back a few years, but that's high praise for Paul Skeens. Obviously, uh, he didn't get picked number one for no reason. But Air Force certainly missed him last year. They did have a couple of infielders that were picked uh, first team in the uh, Mountain West. So not completely devoid of talent, uh, but a team certainly that we're excited to go play, and uh, we need to get all three of these. I- I'm not one of these guys now, based on what we've seen the last couple of years, and say, hey, let's just go win the weekend. Uh, every game counts the same. They don't figure up at the end of the year how many series you won. They, they figure up how many games you won. So we need to kind of make mincemeat of this non-conference schedule. We scheduled pretty light. As you guys know, we don't leave the state of Mississippi for several weeks. Uh, so we need you here, and we need to be able to play well. I suspect those guys at, uh, at Air Force are eager to get down here. You know, we've only played them uh, one weekend in our history. They came in here, and we took a, a series uh, best two of three in a pretty you know, disappointing year for us. But uh, – you know, we've got to go out there and play well. And, again, we'll preview Air Force a lot more extensively on the Friday show. But, again, we encourage you to come out. We've sold out season tickets again. Not a big surprise there. I expect this team to be better than many people expect it to be. We went through that last year, too. And, and I think I think we were on pace to be a pretty good team last year. If you begin to think, you know, you go back to last year's numbers. And I know how you all felt. And, uh, you know, I'm closer to it than most. So I feel it. You know, it impacts our business, but it also hurts my feelings when we lose. I don't know how you feel, but I'm, I'm very emotionally invested in Mississippi State baseball. You know, we're a baseball school. And some people don't like hearing that, but it is. You don't go out and build the most prestigious and most expensive baseball stadium in the country just for the fun of it. But uh, you remember that opening series last year? You know, we should have swept that thing. You remember that Saturday game against VMI? We had the huge lead in that ball game, and we blow it. And that was the first sign that, you know what, maybe the bullpen isn't going to be right. And you tried to – you know, we got out of eight – we were up at 8-1 in that ball game, 8-1. to one. And then you get a little bit later in the game, 
and you don't score the final three innings of the game and you lose 14-13. Well, I guess we scored there in the ninth. But uh, that's typically how that thing happens, man. You know, when, when you stop scoring around the sixth inning, you typically get to be a bad situation. But what an anomaly in that, that box score, when you go back and look at it, we lose 14-13. We had 17 hits in that game. They had seven. Seven. And we lose. And, again, you jump all over them. And, guys, it's a 10-1 game after two. And then we get outscored. 13 to 3 the rest of the game. And so that put a real damper on the weekend. Yeah, we won the series, but that's all anybody could talk about was that Saturday game. And then you get into Tuesday and you lose to Louisiana Monroe 11 to 5. You bounce back and win on Wednesday, but it didn't erase away that terrible non conference midweek loss to UL Monroe. Well, you bounce back and you beat Arizona State, and Arizona State's a program with a lot of prestige. They hadn't been as good lately, but that's still a power program. You win that series, and you think you're starting to do okay. And then you go and you beat top 25 uh, Southern Miss and Pearl, but that, that, again, was a wild game. You win it 10-9. You know, you, you just keep, found a way. Then we head out there to Frisco. You beat California, but, again, the bullpen just absolutely falls apart against Oklahoma. We battle back and battle back and battle back and battle back and take the lead there, and then we can't hold it. And so it's up and down, up and down. You beat Valpo. You sweep the series against Lipscomb. You take Nichols. You take Louisiana. And all of a sudden, you start thinking, okay, we have figured some things out, and we went to Kentucky. We lose in the ninth in game one, and then the, the next the next two days were as miserable a days I've had covering Mississippi State baseball. You could beat 12-3 and 17-3. It's terrible. You beat Arkansas, and Vanderbilt comes up here and absolutely trounces us in three games. I mean, the, the Sunday game was a decent ball game, but my goodness, they were probably exhausted from all the swinging they did the first two nights. You beat Samford, and then South Carolina comes in here, and we, we probably should have won on Friday. We 10-run rule those guys. Excuse me. We, we should have won on Thursday. We 10-run ruled them on, on Friday. And then Saturday, things just fall apart. Again, what I remember about that game, too, is it was nip and tuck, you know, for a while. And then again, the bullpen. Guys, we give up 10 runs in the last two innings. Let that sink in for a second. We're just cruising along here, man. We got a 4-3 lead, and they tie it in the seventh. And then we give up. Three in the eighth and seven in the ninth. Absolutely abysmal. And it just kind of stayed with us over and over and over. But, again, you look back and you think, you know what, hey, we, we should have won two out of three in Frisco. We should have won two or three against South Carolina. You, you destroy Grambling, and then we take two of three from Alabama. But the game we lose, we lose in, ten, in seven innings. Got ten run ruled. It was miserable. You bounce back, you beat UAB, and then Ole Miss comes to town. And we take two of three from them. And you start thinking, hey, okay, now we've got a chance to kind of get fat. We, we cancel the Southern game. We go to Auburn and lose 2-1 on Friday night, win 11-10, and then get beat 12-11. And, again, the Sunday game, similar situation. And that's when Nate got hurt. We had to pull him from the game, begin to wonder about his availability. He was able to come back, thankfully. It was a scary scene watching him walk off the mound. I don't know if anybody competed harder last year on the mound than, than Nate Dome did. But, again, you look at three one-run games, and we come up on the short end of two of them, and it boiled down to pitching. 
You bounce back and you think that Ole Miss game is going to turn into a church league softball game down in Pearl? We win it 2-1. And then the Thursday night game against Tennessee, again, we blow that one too. I was there feeling great about life. We get down 4-1, we come back and tie it in the fifth. And you're thinking, okay, we got this thing, right? Excuse me, I'm completely wrong. I'm completely wrong about this. We're down 4-1. They put up three. It's a 7-1 game. Everybody gives up. We put on two in the sixth, three in the seventh, and then we tie it in the ninth, and they walk us off. They did. It was just, you know, again, it's a one-run game, and you think, you know what? You don't get that opportunity on the road in the SEC very often. You get up on Friday, and we get out there, and, again, it's Tennessee, and they haven't played well. They played really well down the stretch. We jump out to a 4 nothing lead and get beat 12-8. to eight. And, again, that's, that's bullpen. We just didn't have many guys we could count on outside of Nate, and at times Kobe Holcomb. Casey Hunt, of course, came on and did some things for us, but it was miserable. The Saturday game, we get beat 13-2, and it was just one of those games that just felt like from the, from the outset that we were not ready to play. Arkansas comes up here, and uh, we get swept. We cancel the Memphis game. We go to LSU, and this is when everybody's like, hey, this is it. This is it. You know, this is absolutely it. We throw off against Skeens through Evan Sierra in that game. We get beat 12-1, and then we bounce back on Saturday, beat them 9-4, and then that classic game on Sunday, a game that many of us will never forget, where State wins 14-13 in extra innings. Huge, huge game for us. Huge game for Chris Simonis. We canceled North Alabama. The A&M comes in here, and we just if we can find a way to win the weekend, got a chance to get to Hoover. You win Thursday night on the Imani Larry walk-off. You remember how crazy that game was. And then Friday you lose 6-4, and you have a chance uh, on Saturday and get beat 15-10. And, again, a lot. so much of this went down to a leaky bullpen. We have so many pitchers now on this team, there's no excuse for that. You have a brand-new pitching coach in Justin Parker, uh, a guy, again, you, you've heard me talk about the resume, second-best ERA last year in the Southeastern Conference with the less talented team. So we're going to go as far as this pitching staff can take us. I think offensively we're going to be pretty potent. I think we're going to be much better defensively. We're going to be able to score some runs, and uh, we're, we should be able to make some plays behind them, a veteran group behind them outside of shortstop. Uh, a lot of veteran guys in there. You'd think Amani Larry's you should probably be a doctor. Logan Kohler, again, you know, veteran guy. And so you feel like you're going to be able to make the routine play. And that's one of the things I've learned about baseball. If you throw strikes and make the routine play defensively, you're going to win a lot of ball games. How many times last year did we beat ourselves because either we could not or would not throw strikes or we couldn't field the baseball? The offensive piece was there for the most part. And then what happens is when you go out there and you start giving up these crooked numbers and all of a sudden the, the pressure just permeates throughout the roster. Then the hitters try to do too much. Pitchers try to strike everybody out so they can't depend on the defense. The defense gets a ground ball to them and you overthink it and throw it in the stands. So we got to get out and score runs. Got to play defense, got those strikes. Can't get out there and walk the ballpark. That was a huge issue last year, as you guys know. It's just incredible to go back in hindsight and look at it. Uh, but it's a new day, it's a new team, it's a new era. And I'm a lot more optimistic about this team and some of the college baseball experts. But I'll be honest with you, I've heard from three of them that said, hey, what is your take on state? You know, which tells me that they're, they're not sure what to expect from the Bulldogs either. 
And they hadn't been here for our, our fall scrimmages or they haven't been here for the preseason practices. They don't, they don't really know. But you're just kind of picking them on last year and then what you expected everybody to do in the portal, and now here we are. But uh, the talking ends soon, and uh, I'm eager to see this team on the field. I'm eager for you to see this team on the field. I think most people that have come to the scrimmages probably feel like I do. They're a little more optimistic about this team than maybe some other people are because we should be able to score. And always remember, this time of year, you know, pitching is typically ahead of the offense, typically. The ball doesn't carry as well in the cold, thicker air. Uh, guys really haven't got their timing down. So typically, pitching does better. So if State comes out and dominates this weekend on the mound, be happy about that. But don't think, well, this is what we could expect every weekend, because I certainly don't expect that because pitching is always ahead of hitting early in the season. If we go out there and we score a bunch of runs, I think that's one of those things you look at and say, you know what, hey, this is something to get excited about. And certainly we want to play clean defense. But uh, I'm excited for you guys to be here. And, again, now you know when we're going to play. Uh, and, then again, we'll get a roster here in the next day or so. And, I, listen, there's not going to be a bunch of massive changes. I mean, the guys that aren't going to be there aren't going to be, you know, notables. It's not like we're going to cut a guy that uh, we're expected to play. You know, and these conversations have already happened. I think there's one situation we're still kind of navigating through, and then uh, that's been the delay. It's not been Chris Ramonis is just being stubborn or being coy. You know, there, there's just there's one situation we're still navigating through, and then we'll have uh, have it all figured out for you. If you hadn't done so, go to WhenTheBottomFalls.com. You can get my newest book, When the Bottom Falls. It'll be out. Uh, it was out uh, already, but uh, just recently, number six on the Mississippi bestseller list. Very, very grateful for that. Thank you all so much. If you hadn't, if you hadn't bought it yet, you can. I, I'd prefer if you buy it through the website at windthebottomfalls.com. But if you want to go support your local bookstore, that's great too. The independent bookstores of Mississippi have been fabulous to me. So I encourage you, uh, go buy that book. It doesn't matter if you suffer with chemical dependency or not. You certainly need it if you do or if you're in recovery, if you need a little encouragement. But it's, it's just kind of a great underdog story in many respects, if I do say so myself. But all my sports titles are there, too. Flim Flam, Stark Villains, Alpha Dogs, and Dogpile. And every Bulldog fan in the world needs a copy of Dogpile. If you're looking for Stark Villains merch, you can find that at StarkVillains.com. T-shirts, hoodies, the like. Always nice to see you all repping the brand out there. And certainly come be a part of our Merry Band of Misfits over JeansPage.com. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live.